This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Five on Three, special holiday edition for you. Drew Casey here with you. James Decker comes along in just a bit to talk hockey in general. Then we'll be joined by our Islanders beat reporter as well, John Furlong. Hope you are well. Hope you're enjoying your hockey. Well, and if you're a Devils fan or an Islanders fan, we'll get to them later. You're you're probably not enjoying it very much. But we're going to start the show with one of the other two topics that does not involve the Devils, Rangers, or Islanders. So we're going to get to that right away. Something special for you today on 5 on 3, Ross Greenberg joins us as he is the executive producer of Epics Presents Road to the NHL Outdoor Classics Fridays at 10, 9 central on Epics. It's a four-episode docu-series. Ross, a friend of the station and our executive producer, Bob Ahrens. Ross, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? Very good. Very good, Ross. Uh, let's get right into it. So working on a, a docu-series on both the this year's, or 2017's, I should say, NHL Centennial Classic and then the Winter Classic on January 1st and 2nd in succession. You've been involved with chronicling behind the scenes at the Winter Classic for a number of years. What what, uh, what keeps you coming back? Well, I think it's the intrigue of following four teams behind the scenes and taking the viewer behind the curtain to see what an NHL player and management and coaches do to prepare their teams and go to battle on a nightly basis in the National Hockey League. I mean, and there's nothing more interesting than bringing the cameras down low, getting the microphones on everybody, and really giving people a peek at what the game is like in that fast speed that we capture on the ice and also, you know, off the ice, taking these players and humanizing them and bringing them into their homes and seeing them visit kids with sicknesses and hospitals and seeing the kind of people they are. One That's e- what it's really all about. Judging from the first episode, I mean, the show seems like it's it's going to go great places as it has in the past. One episode down, premiering last Friday. What was what's the response been like? Response has been great. I mean, I think you know the all access kind of epics mode is to kind of make sure that you can watch it wherever you are, um, and they tend to release it even if you're not an epics. Uh, subscriber yet you can still access it from the team sites or from the nhl.com site so they really make it accessible the whole series but you have to capture it live uh as it hits the air on epics which is friday nights uh at 10 o'clock in order to in order to see it um but you can access it on nhl.com so everyone should take a look that's actually how i ended up watching uh the first episode believe it or not so it's very accessible out there especially with someone younger like myself and NHL, of course, trying to to grow their game a little bit, as really sports in general are. Four episodes throughout four weeks, three before the games, and then one a couple of days after both games are played. What's the weekly production process like? I assume it has its challenges. Yeah, it does have challenges. We get about 150 hours a week coming in from four different cities, so it's pretty exciting you know, that we can get all of that kind of access, get all that compiled into one hour in a six, seven-day period. It's pretty stunning, actually. So, um, yeah, we're, we're excited by it. We're, you know, nervous as we kind of try to 
put everything together and it's uh it's quite a you know quite a campaign that we have to go through we have four edit rooms running here in new york constantly uh day and night really uh people don't get a lot of sleep but at the end of the day we come out with a product that i think most of the television community would say how did they do that <laughs> because it should take about four months to do what we do in six days drew casey chatting with ross greenberg here on five on three special interview that we have on the podcast this week in the NHL 54-time Emmy winner Ross Greenberg, the executive producer of Road to the NHL Outdoor Classics Fridays at 10 Eastern on Epic's Catch episode number two this coming Friday. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, Ross, that four teams this year, going inside the locker room, having access to those four teams. In the past, it seems like the show has largely focused on just two teams, just the Winter Classic, but the Centennial Classic happening this year as well. What element does having four teams to grab footage from and, and edit and put together add that you maybe not haven't had to deal with in the past? Well, four crews in four different cities, so there's a lot more logistics to go through. And um, I think at the end of the day, it's just really coordinating everything on a daily basis. It's uh, It's pretty stunning that we can actually go from city to city with these crews, then bring all the footage back and then compile this kind of a television show. So there's a lot of good stuff in this second show. In the third show, we prepare for the outdoor games and, uh, you know, we follow these teams through Christmas into that outdoor game. And then of course our finale in show four is all about those two spectacles, one in Toronto and one in St. Louis. Well, Ross, thank you very much. Uh, the show looks great through the first episode, and best of luck as the as the final three uh, come out. Thanks very much. So great stuff from Ross Greenberg to start off 5-on-3, the weekly NHL podcast here on WFUV. And Well, we usually don't start the podcast in terms of local teams with the New Jersey Devils, but we're going to do that this week. Yours truly has been a Devils fan growing up now about 10 minutes from the Prudential Center. And uh, James Decker will join us for the rest of the, the podcast here. And James has some strong feelings about the New Jersey Devils, too, who are immensely struggling in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and Drew, I wasn't planning on – there was no signs of me being on five on three today. I mean, I was had a busy morning. It was tough to get here. But I went to the game last night, and after that game, I said I am going to make it my mission to be a part of five on three today because I had to vent after that performance. I've been to a lot of Devils games live. I was most a lot of them have been good. A lot mm -hmm. of good years of yeah. Devils hockey. Through, so I'm not going to say it's all been bad by any stretch of the imagination. But I was there for the, through the John McClain era of coach. And I, so I've seen yeah, some he's bad. still there. He's still involved with the team on MSG though. Maybe that's why. <laughs> but uh, I've seen some bad games there. Last night's game was the worst performance I have ever seen live at the Prudential really? Center. I really there's no they could not execute anything. And I had a lot of confidence going into that game for some reason, even though they've lost bunch of games in a row. I thought they looked great. You were at the Garden on Sunday night. I yeah. thought they played good hockey there. A couple of good Henrik Lundqvist saves away from winning that game in yeah. overtime. That yeah. was a good effort, so I thought coming home where they've been very good oh, they've been great. this this year, I thought there was some confidence, but they could not execute a single yeah. thing. That game was over two minutes in. When James Neal scored, they looked flat the whole time, and it was just it was a bad, bad game. I'm going again on Thursday. <laughs> I'm going again tomorrow. You're so going to try and turn it around. I am, but the last the night Flyers, was, was dude, very, easy. very, very rough, and I'm not sure where they, they go from here because I had yeah. confidence going into that. I thought the Rangers game was going to be the 
the corner tor- turner. Yeah, no, I'm with you too. I mean, like you said, the Devils were dominant at home. I think they were eight one and two at home before last night. Only one game at home where they hadn't uh, gotten a point out of it, and the schedule's been a little unbalanced for them. They've played 19 games or 20 games on the road already, and just the 14 at home. So you would hope the the win totals w- would balance out, but they're. There's only one team worse than them in the Eastern Conference, and we're going to talk about them in a little bit, the Islanders. But is it is it the defense? You know, you trade away Adam Larson. Am I really saying this right now? I despised Adam Larson on the Devils, but the defense is just so poor. Corey Schneider's not having a good a year, whether it's the defense or not. The Devils are giving up almost five goals every night, it seems. Yeah, and Corey Schneider, that it was 5-1 last night. That could have been 8-1. He, a couple went off the post. A couple, one thing about being at a live hockey game is that you could see a goalie's body language even when the camera's not on him. He didn't look right. He seemed like he was very upset with himself the entire time. Even when it was, even when it was two or three nothing, he was very upset with himself. It didn't really. He did not look co- confident stopping pucks. But it's. I think it kind of. It almost starts with him because in a losing streak, oftentimes in hockey, you just need your goalie to kind of steal one, like yeah. have one really good game, shut shut a team out, and that's how you get back on track. Like we're waiting for that from Corey Schneider. But yeah. you look at the defense core in front of him. It's not. It's not very strong. Yeah, I, I'm disappointed a little bit with Ben Lovejoy's performance so far. He was he was rock solid with the Penguins on Stanley Cup team, and he, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been horrible, but it's just none of the defensemen really look confident defensively. Andy Green's always he's he's always Mister Reliable, but he's not that big presence. He's yeah, five eleven, one ninety, and you know John Merrill, John Moore, Kyle Quincy, and 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 Severson, some good names, and you know maybe they do some good things offensively, yeah, exactly, but yeah. it's defensively. I think they're lacking a lot. So many times the Devils. I was at the game live yesterday. So many odd man rushes. They just try. They're trying to create stuff with their de- defense and the offense too much. They have mm-hmm. uh, some good defensive scoring. I do think yeah. the Devils have. But when you do that, you sack. You try to get things going, and you sacrifice a lot of odd man rushes the other way. The Nashville had about four two on ones in, in the second period. It felt yeah. like, and it, it was just re- really, really bad. And uh, there's, you could just tell they're pressing. There's boos. A lot of the most boos I've ever yeah. heard in the Prudential Center. No, I was, I was following the game on Twitter with some of the, the, the beat writers for the Devils, and and they were saying that. They were booed for more than just five seconds at the end of the period. Just get off the ice and go home. Did a lot of people leave early? I left early. That was <laughs> a, I've that was I think I only left early one other time. Really? Then then last night I left early. After, I left after four nothing. I was like this thing's over, and I was parked in a different parking lot than I usually was. So yeah, I had to get long, there. Qu- long walk. Had to get there quickly. But yeah, it's long, the only other one other time I think I left early because they, they had no signs of life. I've never seen them not been able to execute like the simplest plays, even like yeah. a, a simple dump in would like go off the netting or oh, something geez. like that. It was one of those nights, Drew. It really was <laughs> rough like, night. When Taylor Hall and Power Play, like they finally seemed to get set up, and he just like whips yeah. on a pass, like wide open, a point shot, caught Quincy stick breaks. Like it was one of those <laughs> nights where every single thing went wrong, and now we got the Flyers coming in. We're eight one and one in their last ten. Yeah, it does not gonna get and any then easier. a home and home with Pittsburgh and a home and home with Washington. Good luck. It's really not going <laughs> to get much They could lose their easier. next five. It's a, it's a scary <laughs> thought. I mean, I think oh, you have to wait for Corey Schneider to steal one. I think that that's yeah. what ultimately what it comes down to, but you're not even getting anything really close. I mean, the first goal last night was two-on-one. It, it was really tough, but that second one, I don't know if you saw it. James Neal, he, I don't know, Schneider was thinking high, and there was a change up low, and it just kind of squeaked by him, and oh it was just boy. like, oh, my goodness, this is not good. And for once, the Corey, the Corey Schneider was a lot of, took a lot of flack from the fans at the Prudential Center yeah. last night. He was yeah. Over the past couple of years, when they haven't been to playoffs, he's almost been like the untouchable one as far as like fans getting on players. But yeah. definitely not the case last night. Even Taylor Hall is getting some frustration. He's been good when he was healthy. I think yeah. when he got hurt, I thought that that team, the Devils, were able to survive that a little bit. But even with him back and with the time he was hurt, 
and with the Metropolitan Division doing oh, as well as it is, gosh. it's getting late quick. No, I, I'm with you. Man. Ten points out of the playoff race. I mentioned the Flyers home and home with Pittsburgh and Washington. The schedule gets a little easier in the new year. Boston, Carolina, Toronto, Edmonton twice, Calgary, and Florida. So maybe some more winnable games in there if they can weather the storm. And if they, I say if they go two and three in these next five, that's a win. Especially after losing seven straight, I think. Yeah, yeah I think it's their. I think getting a win in this in this stretch would be a win. I just want a goal. Just one. <laughs> I just want a goal tomorrow, Drew. I left before the first goal yesterday. I was so excited oh, to go to that game. Man. I was like, that's when the lo- the losing streak ends and, and oh. rock bottom. I hope I hope we can go back to this show in whatever a few weeks Perfect. and look back and say, oh, I was thinking about trading Corey Schneider. We're winning, like three we're, points out of the we're playoffs We're winners of five now. and six. We're, there we go. I'm ho- I hope that's the case. I want to eat my words, but we'll, we'll we're, see. We're going to keep you here a little bit longer since you came in and decided to rant. Is that okay for right. some Rangers? Yeah, it's Isles? fine. I'm, it's all out of my system now. Right. I'm full of energy. Good. Good. All right, we'll keep it going here on five on three. We just talked about the New Jersey Devils, some strong words for James Decker, who apparently might have some strong words for John Furlong on the NFL side of things. John Furlong, one of our, <laughs> one of our Islanders beat reporters, joins us here on 5 on 3. What's going on, John? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. So, a Dolphins fan? Really? Yes. Y- yes, sir. Believe it or not. Same colors as the Islanders, so I think it's appropriate that I ask that. But, John, the Islanders are, are, are really struggling. James and I just went at uh, the New Jersey Devils. Both of us, big fans of the Devils, don't don't cover them this year, but have in the past. You cover the Islanders currently, and, mm-hmm. well, they're, they have 30 points, and they're, they're 12, 14, and 6. Not good in Brooklyn. No, it's really not, guys. They really struggled this season. And it's not just the ways. It's not just the fact that they've been losing. It's the way they've been losing games. They've lost 11 games this season by one goal. So something's just something's just not right. They're there. They're not a team that's going to go get blown out on a, day, on a daily basis. They're not a team that you're going to look at the schedule and say, oh, that's a definite loss. Oh, here, that's a definite loss. Like, they've beaten good teams. They've beaten the Penguins at home. They've beaten the Capitals this season. They've beaten the Rangers. They're a good team, and they were able to hang with the Blackhawks. But just something something is missing with this team. They just don't have that winning mentality. And it's it's really it's really frustrating to watch as a beat reporter and as a fan of the team. And John, you mentioned the win, the winning mentality and one thing that surprised me a lot about the Anders this year is that they bring in guys like Andrew Ladd and Jason Chimera who are real character guys that have been around winning teams before and they really have underperformed. Is that have been a huge surprise to you too? Yeah, guys, I think the main problem with this Islanders team from last season, they got rid, the Islanders let their second, third, and fourth best players walk. That is, in this order, Kyle Oposo, Franz Nielsen, and Matt Martin. Matt Martin, not necessarily some guy who shows up on the stat sheet, but he's a leader on the ice as much as he is off the ice. And they let those three guys walk in free agency, and they bring in two guys, Andrew Ladd and Jason Tremera, to replace them. And those two guys who have replaced them have just not lived up to expectations. And they haven't, they haven't been able to take in the role on the ice and off the ice that Nielsen, Martin, and Oposo have left from last season. John, we, James and I looked at the schedule for, for the Devils just a moment ago. And upcoming, they're playing Pittsburgh, they're playing Washington a couple of times. The upcoming schedule for the Islanders, Buffalo, Washington, Minnesota, Winnipeg. So maybe some winnable games in there. Do you see them turning it around and building off a win last night in Boston? I don't know, guys. They went they went through a streak where they had five straight points. They scored points in five straight games, which was good. And they got kind of back. They got out of the cellar, which was a cellar of the Eastern Conference, not just the division, but the Eastern Conference. 
And things are really looking up, but then they had a disastrous third period against the Blue Jackets two weeks ago. Then they lost four due to the Capitals, and they had that disaster 5-4 collapse against the Blackhawks where they went up 2-0 and then gave up two goals within the span of a minute to blow a lead. That game that I was at. But I don't know if you're going to see them go on a run. I mean, like I said, they can hang with any team in the league, but they can also lose to any team in the league. Like, they just lost to the Sabres last week. And... I'm not I'm not really liking their odds. I mean, it is a home game, obviously, and the Sabres aren't a great team. They've got uh, Jack Eichel, obviously, who's really taking the lead by storm. But now they get, but then they go up in a game against the Capitals, who they've had a, a real tough time being able to tough time playing against. And then they face the Wilds, who are a good team out west. I'm not if they can win two out of these three games. If they, if they can get a total of four points from these next three games, I'd be happy. And I think I think the team would be as well. And, John, you mentioned the next game, uh, Buffalo at home. One thing I want to talk about is the Islanders ranked 29th in attendance with averaging just over 12,000 per game. What has the atmosphere been like in Brooklyn? I have yet to be at an Islanders game in, in Brooklyn. I went to a few at NASA Coliseum, and mm-hmm. say what you want about that place. It was a great place oh, to watch great. a hockey game. I Very loud. No, nothing was louder than NASA Coliseum in the playoffs. Do you think there's – I mean, this is a question that, of course, it could be asked last year, too. Do you think – not having as much of a home ice advantage has made a difference for the Islanders? No, I'm glad you guys asked me that question, guys. I've been to three games so far at the Barclays Center, and I went to one last year. And the atmosphere really isn't bad. I think it gets a lot of awful sticks from fans, and especially non like Ranger fans love to make fun of Islander fans for the arena and how it's a basketball arena and we're just, and the Islander fans, or excuse me, the Islanders are just playing. They're basically playing second fiddle to the Nets, which is something that's kind of hard to do considering how the – how bad the Nets are, but I mean, the atmosphere really isn't bad. I mean, I went to a couple games at Nassau Coliseum a while ago. Cause my dad grew up as an Islanders fan, so he took me for to a few games. And yeah, it was loud in there, but you, it, the arena was just it was just old and cramped. This the, the Barclays Center is a beautiful arena, and oh, the fans the fans are good. They show up, and when they show up, they're very loud. But there are a lot of empty seats. I mean, you see it on TV. But the problem is for the Islanders, a lot of the fans are from Long Island, obviously, and it's such a it's a long train ride. It's up to 45 minutes of a train ride to get there if you're coming from central or eastern Long Island, which is where a lot of the fans are from because a lot of fans on western Long Island are, are Ranger fans, even though that's where the Nassau Coliseum was. So if the fans do show up, it gets really loud, And but there, it's really a – a hit or miss whether the fans actually do show up or not. I've gone usually on weekends, and attendance on weekends is usually pretty good, but I also went on a Thursday, and the, the arena was about half full at, at, a, at first puck drop at 7 p.m. That's John Furlong, our Islanders beat reporter. John, you want to stick around and talk some uh, rival the New York Rangers, too? Oh, I, I love you, Drew. Let's go for it. All right, let's do it. James Decker, the uh, devil's expert in the house, Drew Casey, with you, one of the Rangers beat reporters, and John Furlong, an Islanders beat reporter. Keep it going on five on three. Topic number four is the New York Rangers, and it's certainly a brighter spot than the Devils and the Islanders. 47 points tied with the Penguins uh, atop of the Metropolitan Division. And I think, guys, at least for me, covering the team and having gone to three or four games thus far, I was expecting a good year, a Rangers-like year, but not best in the conference at this point. And they've done it a lot without Rick Nash recent. I- I'm surprised. And Michael Grabner has been incredible for this team. He's slowed down a little bit lately. 
And I, th- I bet that's somebody you would want in, in Brooklyn, John, right? Um, it's so frustrating to see Michael Grabner playing as well as he has at the Garden. It's just, why, why couldn't he play that way when he was long, on Long Island? It's ridiculous. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's the exact opposite of, of the Devils, James. Moderate expectations, I think, for, for the Rangers this year, and I think they're exceeding. And the thing about the Rangers, I think that's it's it's a good thing that they're not under these like huge expectations because in the past, like last year, they had a good season, but it was almost like they fell short of expectations because everyone, uh, when you make it to the Stanley Cup in the conference finals and the consecutive seasons, then you, they have a lot of pressure to get back. And the thing about this Rangers team is, I agree with you, Drew. There wasn't that Stanley Cup expectations yeah, like with this I team, wasn't. and maybe that's playing playing to their advantage. It took a bit of a shellacking from Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, th- that was last night. Also, last night, yeah. Yeah, so th- it's gonna. I think it's gonna come down to whether or not they can find their way in the playoffs because there's no signs of this team slowing down or, at all. I yeah. think the best news for the Rangers, the best things that have come out of this team, they're all of a sudden a really young team. I mean, the the, the biggest complaint about the Rangers from their fans was that the team was getting old and they were making a lot of trades for right now and sacrificing the future, but with the coming, the coming around of these new, uh, younger players, such as Jimmy Vesey, who's been fantastic. The Rangers are all of a sudden one of the younger teams in the league, and they're one of the the, the really teams to watch not just for this year but for the future. And it's incredible how they've really turned that around in just one year. And the thing about the Rangers also is that I honestly did not know who the leading point scorer was off the off the top of my head. The Rangers, I looked it up right now, and he, it's tied with he's it's tied with Derek Stepan, who's the name I would have guessed. It's Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I mean, I don't re- figure. It's it's crazy how like I feel like these guys put on a Ranger jersey, and as a Devils fan, it irritates me yeah. too. And all of a sudden, they're just like Boom. better than they were before. Like Michael Grabner's plus eighteen right now. Fourteen, 14 goals. What? I, I just I can't, I don't really understand it. Grabner always had speed when he was with the Islanders. I remember he was always like, wow, that guy could fly, but he never really could like, all put it all together. Now, of course, when he puts on a Ranger jersey, that's when he does. I think a lot of that goes to Lane Bignot. I think he's done. A great job. Yeah. John Tortorella is doing great in blue, with Blue Jackets land. We'll talk about him soon. But how how do you assess the job that Vigneault has done, John? No, he's done a he's done a fantastic job. You've got to consider him for Coach of the Year at this point. I mean, who else who who else would who else is going to better stand with, with what he packed than only Vigneault? That's a great point, and it's something that I, I was really I don't know enamored with recently with the Rangers was. Antti Ranta was playing exceptional, exceptional. But you're talking about the backup to Henrik Lundqvist. I don't care, A.V. says. Antti Ranta is going to play four games in a row, and the Rangers won three of those games before losing to the Blackhawks in a, in a tightly contested one, and, and then it's been, been Hank ever since. But they have two really, really good goaltenders, and James was talking about this with the Devils and dealing Corey Schneider maybe crazy down the stretch. If the Rangers need something down the stretch, but it doesn't look like they will, they have an incredible tandem of goaltenders, and we know Hank's not going anywhere. And Ranta, I've just been so impressed with his play and the confidence that AV and the coaching staff has to, hey, I don't I don't care. You're playing the best. You're playing. I feel like that always happens with the Rangers also. Like Cam Talbot, I mean, how how's he? I don't yeah. even know how he's doing, but I guess that means he's not really doing that well. He was great. He was that capable second guy. Like these range, like Antti Ranta, all of a sudden he's like this good guy. I mean, I don't really get it. I think one thing. I think one thing about Henrik Lundqvist is he always handles the situation well with the, when a new guy's playing well because it has happened before with Cam, when Cam Talbot did have a run. I, I went to a game where Lundqvist really didn't play that well, and, and I mean Ranger fans always are quick to New York sports fans in general is quick yeah. to call for the next guy, but everyone's like <laughs> Talbot, Talbot, Talbot. 
but I feel like yeah, the Rangers also also always have a capable backup goaltender. But I do like I think if I'm a Ranger fan and you do need that one piece, maybe an injury down the road, and some there's some glaring need. I think you have to entertain the idea of maybe trading Ranta. Yeah, you know. I'm glad you brought that up, James, because I that did really bring me back to when Cam Talbot was a very capable backup to Henrik Lundqvist, as you just mentioned, and how a lot of the fans were calling for him, and he got traded or he got he ended up in in Edmonton now. But if you're if you're the Rangers and down the stretch of the bag, you're maybe and he he ends up being out for an extended period of time. Why not trade Ronta? It's not like he's going to play in the playoffs because Hank is going to be the starting goaltender for the Rangers in the playoffs without a doubt. So why not try to get something for him? Why, why not try to make this team a more complete team? Obviously, you run the risk of Lundqvist getting injured and then the third-string goalie coming in. But why not Why not trade Ronta? He's, he, I'm sure the Rangers could get a ton from him from, from a team that might need some goalkeeping. So are we all in agreement that the Rangers are the best team right now in New York, followed by... Really, no one. That's a tough one. <laughs> that <laughs> second like, uh, best team. Why do the Devils and Islanders play each other? That's Islanders Devils, February eighteenth and nineteenth, home and home. So we got about two months until they match up. Hopefully, both are wow. in better shape. John, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Let's get into our final topic, James. And basically, the Metropolitan Division in general is just remarkable. I, I mean, the teams: Pittsburgh, the Rangers, Columbus. You go down into the wild card spots, Philly and Washington, really, really good. Yeah, when I was talking about the Devils before, I mentioned how it's not they're not going to get help from the Metropolitan Division. Quickly, I want to correct myself. I said Mackenzie Blackwood before when I was talking about the Devils' possible goaltending uh, tandem. It would be Scott Wedgwood. So I got, yeah. the, I got my woods mixed up. And, you know, that happens. <laughs> Mackenzie Blackwood is a Devils' goaltender, but he's got a couple some ways to go. Scott Wedgwood, that was the guy that came in and did a nice job for New Jersey at the end of last season. But – you said it, Drew. I'm going to take a look. at the, the thing that tells it all is like the last 10 games for a lot of teams in the Metropolitan Division. Believe it or not, I am having some Wi-Fi troubles in the studio right now, but I do remember that Columbus has won their last 10. 10 Philly's won 8 of their last 10. Yep. I think the Rangers have won 7 or 8 of their last 10. 7 of 10. And I, Pittsburgh, 8 0 and 2. It's still the Devils have lost so much ground in the Metropolitan Division. These yeah. teams are just so good. I think the most surprising one has to be the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mean, yeah. they... Ended last year on like a crazy win streak, yeah. but it just wasn't enough yeah, at the, were, at the time. Just out of it. I think there just there has to be a case of them carrying over to the next season. I think John Tortorella. I, I'm I haven't watched that much <laughs> Blue Jackets hockey this year, but I'm, I'm sure he's telling guys to still dive in front of dive in front of pucks. I remember the Rangers used to block as many shots as like any team when he was when he was the coach. But we're almost nearing the halfway point here, and it's tough to see. T- I mean, tough to kind of. Pred- I mean, I feel like last year you can kind of predict where things the dice were going to fall. In, the, in this conference for a lot for at least like the first six teams now I'm not really so sure because I'm not so I mean you can't possibly I mean you can't really be sold on Columbus yet just yeah. because a 10 game winning streak I'm they cannot possibly continue continue it I mean who who knows yeah but I mean if you take away I mean if they go five and five in the next and then who knows where they're going to end up but Philadelphia they were on an eight game winning streak I think Washington's going to move up and that probably say Columbus moves down. Yeah. Tampa Bay's kind of lurking on the outside. I think like Florida's a pretty dis- disappointing team this year. They're a lot of times like second yeah, best team fired East their, last fired year. Their head coach mid- already. Yeah, y- Yager picked up a milestone last night, which which is always great to see. That guy will still be playing by the time. Second most points tied Messier, I think it was. Yeah, in the NHL. So I mean, he's he like he, he brings like the life to. If you didn't have, they didn't have Yarmir Yager, but and they're not in the playoffs. Who's really paying attention to the, to exactly. the Florida Panthers? Even yeah, even in, in Florida, I remember watching the home opener against the Devils this year, and they couldn't even pack the home opener. I was like, well, that, that's that's tough." Uh, but I mean, this 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 Metropolitan Division, 
yeah, I, I mean, I've, I noticed it because, like, I mean, the Devils have to catch up, and they're just not getting any help. Is there any logical explanation that you think to see Pittsburgh and the Rangers fall out of the top three? You know what? I, I think there is because, like you said, Washington, again, has that games-at-hand situation. Four, five less games played than a lot of the teams uh, in the in the Metropolitan Division. I see them coming up. Philadelphia, I mean, they've been really pretty consistent. You did mention that that, that long winning streak that they went on, eight-game win streak earlier this year. I think they end up in that top three. Columbus, I don't know. I don't know if both fall out, Pittsburgh and the Rangers, but I wouldn't be shocked if one of them fall out. What was funny about the Flyers' winning streak is when Doc Emmer came to WFUV and he had the workshop with us, he said the Flyers are a couple, like a couple years away from like maybe winning a Stanley Cup, and I yeah. thought, like, oh, I'm not really so sure I agree with that. And then after, <laughs> after that, they went on like an eight-game winning Boom. streak, and I was like, Doc knows. Uh. I don't know why I even doubted him for a second. They're like, they're good. Oh, man. And Steve Mason's guy that really struggled in Columbus for a oh. lot, for uh, oh yeah a few years, and he's just fa- he found his own. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't even him in the playoffs; it was Michael Neuvirth in the playoffs when they gave Washington a run for their money last year. I do have a feeling that the Flyers get in, and they're going to be higher than the last AC that they were uh, years past. Yeah, no, I agree with you too, and I think that's a a good spot to to leave it here on on Wednesday in December. But uh, we covered a lot of ground; that was fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. I, I will be back, hopefully, on better terms than I was <laughs> at the opening of this show. It's rock bottom. I think it's going to be rock bottom for the Devils. I'm saying that right now. I'm going on Thursday. Pun I, intended or not? Wow. I did not even <laughs> think about it. Pun not intended, but that's a good sign, though. Things are happening that way. Hopefully some puck luck against the Flyers Thursday. <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to 5 on 3. For John Furlong, who was on the phone for a couple of segments, our Islanders beat reporter James Decker speaking his mind on the Devils and other things. Thanks to Ross Greenberg. Drew Casey saying so long here on 5 on 3, and we'll see you soon. This has been One on One's 5 on 3 from WFUV Sports. Join us next week as we take you around the world of hockey. We'll see you then.